Hello, it's Jim Conley, Executive Marketing Manager for Anatomy and Physiology here at McGraw-Hill, and welcome back to this episode of Succeed in A&P. I am so excited today for two reasons. The first thing is we're on the eve of the Iowa State game, but even bigger, I'm here with Molly Scheel, one of my greatest, nearest and dearest friends, awesome lady, and I'm just really excited to have this conversation with her and share it with the rest of you. And she's also wearing a Cyclone shirt, and I'm wearing a Hawkeye shirt. But I'm sure you're not listening to this really paying attention to that. <laughs> We're we only be, thinking about that right now, Jim. Right, we might be the only ones <laughs> in the entire universe that are interested in that, which is okay. All right, so Molly, real quick, how long have you been teaching AP? Jim, I can't believe it, but it's been 10 years now. A oh, full man. decade. Yeah, that's making me feel a little mature. But it's been a lot, a lot of fun, though. It has been. And every semester is absolutely unique. And they all stand out. It's great to see students matriculate through. Now that I've been there 10 years, you also start to see the next generation come in. So yeah. I had their parents when all the retraining and recertification went through in 2008, right? All the job retraining and reorganization. And now I'm starting to see their daughters and their sons come through. So it's been... A good 10 years. Yep. And, and just for the audience, too, I've actually seen some of the students that Molly has taught. Um, unfortunately, been to the hospital a few times <laughs> here and uh, sometimes as a visitor. Uh, but anyway, seeing some of your students right. now in the nursing profession, just for me on right. the sidelines, seeing that has been unbelievable. Right. And, and, and one of my college's um, phrases is that we're the college for the community and we are in the community and so as you and I live here in our community and work in our community we definitely do come across our students every day. Yeah and you'll probably hear me reference Corey Foley she's the poster child for MHE happiness really good spokesperson she also um, is a nurse at Mercy College and she's the spokesperson there which is just kind of interesting because you take someone like that that has had such success academically now professionally and she's just given so much back and an awesome uh, professional and family person too agreed okay so tell me what excites you about teaching AP or teaching in general well I like the challenge for me Um, first and foremost I like that I have a lot of autonomy, and I can go through my process and try new things every semester. It's not same day, same thing every routine. It's not that at all. Um, It's this constant evolution, constant process, and I get to bring people along with me on that ride every semester. So I get to meet these new personalities. I get to see these new cultures. I get to meet all these different people who learn and are excited in different ways. Um, And I get to challenge them just as much as they challenge me. And so I really like that part of my job. And and that's what I find rewarding in teaching is that I get to keep advancing myself just like I want to advance them. That has been one of the most remarkable things that I've watched, not only with you in particular, but then also your students really just coming along on that academic journey. And and one of the things, and we'll tell you guys all about this later, uh, Molly did an article about really assessing with intention and really Mm -hmm. being thoughtful about what you do. And, And that's really what I wanted to talk about in more detail today. So to me, I just really enjoy that whole principle and how you um, really execute that well in your class. How did you arrive at that principle, if you will? <laughs> well, it had nothing to do with A&P class, that's for sure. Um, 
about four years ago, I was doing some life stuff and some changes, and I actually took a Tai Chi class. Right? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, cool. um, with a nun who was like 85, right? And she just taught me to sort of slow down and breathe, and you're not going to do any big movements. You're not karateing, it's not martial arts, it's, it's Tai Chi, and it's about finding that energy that's around you and in you. And putting it where it needs to be. And that sort of rung true right at that moment um, in my life. And then it started to trickle into my professional life as well. And so it was about, okay, where is my energy going? Where do I want my students' energy to be going? Um, and so about a year later, um, and I know that you love this and some of the other people here at the office love this, that I have the word intention tattooed on my arm. Um, so I see it all the time, and, and so I, I live the message, and people ask me about it, and students ask me about it all the time because it's, it's visible there. Um, and so I really thought about, okay, what are these behaviors that people do with purpose to get desired outcomes? And that's the theme. I mean, and that just, like, is the culture of my class. And so every day when I get up, my to-do list is is intentional. I'm not going to be a busy person I'm going to be a very productive person and so it's about where I want to put my energy that day and teaching students to do that too and showing them that hey this isn't busy work this isn't just doing it to do it um, I have this goal for you I have this process for you to go with me this sort of walk if you will um, and so if they buy in and they see what my intention is for them and they share that intention, the, the semester goes really well. Yeah, so it's been really great. To, and, and, and it builds, you know, across their professional and their academic and then into their personal life. Like, you can see these successful students, like, lose some of their drama in their life. They, you can see them just be like, I don't need this right now. Like, this is what I value. This is where I want to put my energy. So I can't go to everything else, you know? And... That's a win for them. You know, the A&P will come, but if they can learn to really appreciate and be self-aware and have intention in what they're doing, I think that's really important. What, what I love about all that, so I've been following your journey mm-hmm. with intention and saw you do some of the talks and then you got your tattoo. Yep. And only until now did I understand that it came from the 85-year-old nun. Yeah. I <laughs> should have asked that. Shame on me for not asking that before. But I wonder if that nun really understands the magnitude of it's made an impact on you and thousands of students that you've taught yeah. you know, since you know, you've adopted this philosophy. Mm-hmm. And then even this is really transcended to me as well where I'm even slowing down mm-hmm. and being more thoughtful about what I'm doing. And, mm-hmm. and I've had a lot of help with some of the people that I work with here, just them right. asking me questions about, well, why are you doing this? And, right. and now I've kind of adopted that same philosophy, so I think it's just fascinating. I think it blends nicely with the MH Happiness campaign as well. Exactly. So you have, if you want to be happy, you have to make that happen. Yep. Um, and it's not just automatic. It's not autopilot. And, and I think a lot of people miss because they're on autopilot. Right. They miss being happy because they didn't stop. They didn't make that intention to make themselves happy that day. So you gotta you gotta choose you, you gotta choose what you want. Um, yep. nobody's gonna choose it for you. So um, 
Yeah, that's where great. intention comes from. And and I see the nun every every year. Her next Tai Chi session actually starts next week. Ooh. And so it's Wednesday mornings, and you know where I'll be. Oh, yeah. What time on Wednesday mornings? Like 8.30, I think. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. We yeah. have to have some extra students come join. Yeah. I think it'll be lovely. I've, I've done it about four years in a row now. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Well, if you get a chance, tell her that it's really not a big impact, but you've done <laughs> a podcast and you featured her. Maybe she'll give it a listen, too. Well, Sister Marion gets a shout-out. Amen. <laughs> Sister Marion, thank you for everything you do. Uh, but I do agree with you. I think the MHE happiness, it does fit nicely there. A lot of what we're doing with MHE happiness and just being happy in general is a choice. Right. And right. making that choice is a lot better when you take a step back and you start asking the question mm-hmm. why and really making that decision to look on the positive side. Of right. It, which is great. Um, all right. So I'm going to have some fun with you here. Uh-oh. We're going to put you <laughs> in a situation, which is always interesting. But you're stuck now on an island, and you only have one form of assessment for your students. What would it be? Would it be summative or formative? Well... You know, first off, if I was stuck on an island minutes, I got on a boat, which I'm surprised you talked me into that. (laughs) But but that's okay. Um, I absolutely 100% would choose formative assessment. I Yeah, I think that it's more important and there's more value in a student knowing what they know than in me knowing what they know. Because I think that if the student can correctly gauge and be self-aware of what they've done and what they still need to do that's wickedly more powerful for them in their whole career, not just a class, um, than if I know that they can check a box. Oh, that is so great because when you look at a a student in their journey academically, Mm -hmm. they're taking you for AMP1 or AMP2 or both. Right, it's a blip. You know, it's just a small little, you know, like you said, blip on the radar for Mm -hmm. them. But if you can, you know, connect with them the mm-hmm. way you have, boy, it'll help them not only as a student, but then right. later if they go into teaching mm-hmm. or as a professional, you know, really a lot of positive things that can happen that way. Yeah, self-awareness. They they need to learn about thinking. Yeah. And and they don't. They 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 ponder other topics. Right. They're bombarded with social media, and they think on that. But thinking about themselves and their power and their accountability and their own learning is huge. And by the time they're done in my A&P series, it's not about me as the teacher. It's about their wins as the learner. And uh, I was just happy that they let me show up every day. Ah, it's great. All right, so in your article, you talked about reinforcement of what I'm calling syllabus language, yeah. like having the proper language in your syllabus. Right. Um, can you share with the audience, like, why is that important, and then how did you come to that conclusion about the syllabus being so important? Sure. So the syllabus is your first day of class. It's, your, it's, it's really your business card that you give them on the first day. So I want to make sure that my intention comes across on that first day. That my intention is for that student to own and be responsible for what happens that semester. That I'm along and I will be presenting these tasks and these activities, but they need to be the motivators of themselves. Um, and, and I've been here and I've done this now for 10 years, right? When, when you do that math, that's a lot of sections of A&P. Um, and so I want them to get the first impression that I have their best interest at heart. I have built meaningful and purposeful tasks for them to complete, formative and summative, and that at the end of the semester, they will come out owning content related to A&P 
and some other soft skills, right, that hidden curriculum, um, and be successful. And so the syllabus is my way to sort of make a contract with that and say, these are my intentions, I'm going to stick to it, are you signing it and getting on board? Right. And then we become a team. Yeah, that accountability piece, I think, and we've done some research here at McCormick mm-hmm. Hill over the past three years. It's fascinating how student motivation and the yeah. accountability piece, engagement's another term that's mm-hmm. out there, really are bubbling up to mm-hmm. the top in terms of a major challenge yeah. in teaching AP. So maybe we'll talk about that in our next podcast. Yes, but, uh, that, that's maybe. Just, yeah, awesome. But yeah, and I, I came to this conclusion when you know students come to me after they have their first success and say, oh my gosh, you're such a great teacher. I get so much out of your, your class time. And I go, right, but the only reason you value me is because you do all this on the back end. I said, if you just took the whole weekend off and came in unprepared, I would be running laps around you. I said, right. so it's really not about me. It's about what you did. And when you, when you shine that sort of spotlight back on them, they respond well. Um, you notice that positive sort of reinforcement working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. All right, so we're going to scare you a little bit here. All right. So let's just imagine that I was just hired as an adjunct to teach a and Well, that's terrifying. Uh, I hope uh, you wore a different shirt to the interview. <laughs> it, would be <laughs> it would be very scary if I taught a and Just uh, I'm going to throw that out there. But hypothetically, let's say I had a, a career change. I learned a little bit more about science than I do today. <laughs> and now I'm, uh, I'm an adjunct, and, and you're going to be giving me some advice. What would you tell me? Sure. Um, figure out what the culture is of the the learning culture is at the college. So, what are the full time faculty trying to build there as a department? What is their intention for the student? Are they looking to get them to engage in technology? Are they looking for them to be stronger readers? Are they looking for them to um, work on assessment to get them to pass boards? Right. Find those themes and those intentions of the entire department um, and then buy in. You know, you're there to contribute as well. Share what your intention is. You obviously wanted this position and you want to teach. What brought you to the table and share that with the department and how can you start contributing to that team? Because when you think about it, you're not their only instructor. And as an adjunct, you want to still meet the mission of the college and of the department and and share their intentions as well. So bring what you've got, right? Bring your um, intentions, see what their intentions are, and the students will win. Oh, that's great. Now, as an adjunct, I'm probably going to have some rough times. Maybe. You know, and I, I know you're an expert teacher, so you probably don't have <laughs> I don't a ton know of these about examples. That. But one thing I thought might be fun to share with the audience is, have you ever had something you tried in a class that just didn't work out very well? Oh, yeah. Um, there's been a few where, you know, I lesson planned it out, I walked through it, and it was too much too soon. So uh, I can think about neurophysiology. And, you know, here at McGraw-Hill, you guys have some great interactives, beautiful art packages, you know, props to the McKinley text and and all the artists you guys keep on staff. But I can draw stick people, and it's pretty bad, you know. And so the one day I decided, I think we're going to do neurophysiology as a flip book, that we will draw picture after picture, and then you'll be able to turn it, and you'll see an impulse go, oh, my gosh, Jim, it was so bad. (laughs) I mean, like, it worked in my brain until I realized 
how many times I had to draw this neuron and over and over and over again. And the students got really good at the neuron parts, the anatomy right. piece. Um, but it really didn't hit our goals of watching current move through the through the neuron. Um, it's still on my shelf. It's still there. Yeah. I will get it to work someday. Um, but in the meantime, we just draw snapshots. And, uh, well, the one yeah. aspect of that that I think is so important is you are always good at trying new things. Yeah. And, you know, an example like mm-hmm. that is a new innovative idea. Right. And I like keep it on the shelf, maybe bring it back next term and see if you can tweak it a little bit. And and often just a little bit of extra elbow (laughs) grease, maybe that thing will come. Some days we we hope, but uh, students definitely give you some feedback on that. And they're just like, I think our time could have been used a different way. Or um, we've had some dissections that just took way too long. And so, you know, you prep it instead for them and let them explore more. So they're good. Um, Like, you know, you learn from your mistakes, probably more right. so than you learn from your wins. Amen. Well, speaking of mistakes and feedback, I know you do a lot of surveying in your course. I do have a lot of open communication. I don't know about survey. That sounds like a lot of Google Form and right. all that other survey monkey stuff. Um, this is more just open communication with students. So I like knowing what they know. Uh, you guys have that new diagnostic tool online. I used that this semester to see where everybody was for chemistry prep, which was great. So use that. Use a lot of the reporting and doing a lot of surveying of them sort of on the back end without them knowing. Looking at what behaviors they're using. You know, I'm in week three already. This is the end of week three for me in my wow. semester. Yeah, I don't know how this is happening so fast. Um <laughs> So I'm looking at how many attempts did the students take on assignments. So they get to, again, this shows some motivation, some behavior. Did they buy into my intention of these are for practice? I want you to keep motivating yourself to do the work to keep keep yourself occupied and engaged with the content. And so I'm looking for students who didn't take those double attempts, people who really quickly just sort of went through the assignment to get it done. Um, and, and reaching out to them and communicating with them and surveying them. Hey, what's going on? And is it an internet access problem? Is it a time crunch? Is it, I forgot, is it just start of the semester? Is it, oh, I didn't even know I got to? Those sorts of things. So um, surveying and spying on them kind of go hand in hand, I guess. <laughs> Observation, if you will, right? We are scientists. <laughs> That's so important. <laughs> you got to observe. All right, well, why is teaching anatomy and physiology, why is it an honor? Um, it's great for me to see students own something that, that's not materialistic. It's something that they can take pride in and show that they accomplished. So seeing graduation, seeing them get jobs, you know, I, I, I love social media, but I'm not friends, right, quote unquote, with my students until they're no longer students. Yeah. And, and that's the goal. And, and so at graduation, um, whether I'm there or not, the next day it's a flood of Facebook friend requests <laughs> with the message, I'm not there anymore, you know. Or they get their first job and then they want to share that with me. And, and that's really an honor that I got to go on their journey too. Well, and, and really, you know, this is my hometown. You exactly. know, I've, I, I left for college for a little while, go state... And uh, but <laughs> I'm back, I knew and that was and I'm not going anywhere. And so 
these are persons that I'm going to continue to engage with, that I'm going to live next door to or down the street or see them at the farmer's market or go to the ER. <laughs> and, and I want that respect to be there. Yeah. I, I want to be just as proud of them in 10 years as I was 10 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. So what is your vision for the future of teaching anatomy and physiology? Wow. No, it's a heavy question. Um, that is a heavy question. It's kind of early for that, Jimmy. Um, I, I, I see that we're going to get away from traditional means, but I think we're going to transition and maybe have a few throwbacks. So, like, I'm, it's going to be this really interesting blend because we've seen the the old school lecture format textbook format moving into digital and online and and there's this huge spectrum and what i think you're going to find is that the future of teaching especially in ANP, will be a complete eclectic hodgepodge of all of those and the beauty of that is that the restraints on teaching are going away the, the restraints of, well, I only have four walls in 55 minutes, or I only have them buy a book and a notebook at the bookstore. That's gone now, you know? And, and when you can finally sort of wrap your brain around what you can ask a student to do and what they're willing to do, it's, it's incredible. And so you, you don't have to stay in your chairs anymore. You don't have to take notes on notebook paper. You you can use a tablet. You can listen to a podcast. Amazing. You could assign a podcast. <laughs> you, uh, you can build animations. You can meet them via Skype. You can have a Facebook site. You can have them read a chapter in a book. I mean, even those look totally different than what was being published 10 years ago. 10 years ago, it was more of an encyclopedia style. It was a reference book. Mm -hmm. And now it's not. Right. It's, it's still content-heavy. It's still got all the depth. It's still got all the rigor. But it's in such a different format. You know, even as we watch the Internet evolve, right? Mm -hmm. They go there, right? Oh, yeah. They go there. But it's become so much more engaging and interactive without the loss of content. And so I think that the future of A&P will be, as people embrace assessment and embrace intention, they're going to see that it's going to be different every day. That each idea, each organ system doesn't have these boundaries and restraints on it anymore. And that's going to be cool. Yeah. I actually really agree with you. And a couple examples, I know professionally I'm going through this right now where you, know, you see a heavy emphasis on digital. Mm -hmm. um, I believe, you know, soft skills, reading people's body language, mm -hmm. different question techniques, they're still alive and well, but they can get glossed over with right. the lure of technology. But then the other one that's really a notable example is the music industry. Okay. You know, think about how many years ago did people say that, you know, the 45 records, 33 right. records, those are gone, right? Mm -hmm. We're into downloads yeah. and CDs and all that stuff. And now look what's coming back. I guess. Vinyl, vinyl I know. Back. I'm still just a radio listener. It's you know me. Yes, it's yeah. true. It's true. 
Um, well, I know we could spend all day talking about anatomy and physiology, and we're going to have you back on the podcast. Excellent. I really appreciate you coming here today. Anytime. Uh, by the way, Molly is the first one that's actually live in the studio here at 501 Bell Street. Um, all the other ones have been virtual or, or through Skype. It's good but to be the local. It is good to be the local. I want to maybe share with the group, do you, sure. if you're open, uh, how can people find you? Sure. social media or anything like that you want to share? Absolutely. So I can be found on Facebook and just search under Molly Scheel. You can also reach me at email, so molly.scheel at gmail.com. Um, or if you want to look me up at the college, I'm at Northeast Iowa Community College here in Piasta, Iowa. It's awesome. And also you guys will probably see my email address out here in the ether, if you have any other show ideas or things that you want to ask Molly, maybe not directly, you can always follow those through me. Molly, it's been absolutely awesome. I know now you and I have to get ready for this big battle tomorrow, the right. Iowa State, which should be fun. Right. When you lose, you're going to have to take some Tai Chi, I think. Oh, man, I think so I'm that you can uh, read tons of Tai Chi. I think so to bring your energy back into balance. Something's going to have to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but you've been awesome as always, and really appreciate having you here today. And for all of you that are listening, thanks for teaching A and P. Wonderful science. You guys are great people, and we'll see you in the next episode. Excellent. Thanks, Jim.